Well, good morning, guys. Whoa, I'm loud up here. We had to turn me down a little bit. So it's good to be back. Um, I was off the last two weeks. I really appreciate Lucas and Eugene filling in and helping out. And man, um, we've been in, they started this series called The Simple Life. And I think it's so needed and so important this time of year for us to to really focus on this. And um, I'm going to kind of finish up the series this week. Next week, we get to jump into our Christmas series. So um, I'm excited about that already and all of our Christmas activities. Uh, We sent out an email today, uh, and it's on our website about all the Christmas activities coming up at Cornerstone. So uh, just to give you a heads up, Christmas morning, we are meeting at Cornerstone. It's on a Sunday this year, um, and we're doing one service at 11 a.m., um, and no children's ministry. Everybody's up here, kids, families, everybody. It's going to be packed. We're going to have fun. Uh, we're going to worship on Christmas morning. So that's the plan uh, for Christmas morning. We're also going to do one service only on New Year's Day, which is also on a Sunday. So changing things up a little bit this year. I know a lot of people will be traveling, a lot of people out of town. Even this week, uh, a lot of people sick and out and, and traveling. So uh, just that time of year. So uh, we're going to, on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, we're going to go to one service only at 11 a.m. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about those services, though. So this morning, um, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're, we get, I said I get to finish this up. And I do think this is such an important topic to talk about because life gets complicated. Our time, our relationships, our money. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning. I think one of the huge problems in the world today is what I would call overconsumption. You guys agree with that? Overconsumption. And in a lot of ways, an overconsumption of information. Uh, we've talked about this before. Throughout history, right, we have never been overwhelmed with as much information as we have now. And I don't think we were designed to consume that much information. And what has it brought us? It's brought us worry and anxiety because we see problems all over the world. The minute they happen, uh, we just are overwhelmed with information and news. The overconsumption of media and technology. Uh, I really think that what we're seeing right now with our smart devices, our phones, our tablets, and everything, I think we're going to see a huge increase and truly people who are addicted to their phones. All right? I think this is going to be a clinical problem as we move forward. People who are addicted to media and to phones. Um, overconsumption of food. Let's face it, this time of year, um, we like food, right? Um, it, it's amazing how much we eat, how big portion sizes are when you go out to eat. Um, don't even get me started on sugar and caffeine consumption, right? I, I, I may get in trouble if I talk about that. Um, it's just crazy. It, when we were in Israel earlier this year, it was neat. Uh, there's McDonald's everywhere, right? And so uh, it, it, it's kind of weird being in Israel and seeing McDonald's. Do you know what their big hamburger uh, is? It's a, it's a half-pound hamburger at McDonald's, huge hamburger, right? Do you know what they call it? The Big America, does that tell you something about our overconsumption? And then they have variations of it. They have the big Texas and the big New York. But it's like, we know those Americans, they like to eat. 
And, and so it's over, I mean, we, we overconsume food. Um, we overconsume activities. We, we, we get ourselves overcommitted and we do this and that. And we get our kids signed up for every activity because we're afraid of missing out. We're afraid of letting them down, and, and so we just run at this frantic pace all the time. Let me just ask you, does that sound like a simple and quiet life? Does that really, is that the way that God designed us and created us to live, to keep a pace like that? It's the overconsumption of everything, the overconsumption of our stuff. We live and slavery to our desires. We are constantly dissatisfied. We always want more. I saw a meme uh, this week, and it was about Black Friday, and uh, I'll put it up here. Uh, this is interesting. It's uh, Black Friday because only in America do we wait in line and trample each other to get to sell items one day after giving thanks for what we already have. Doesn't I mean, isn't that... Isn't that crazy? You think about, you know, the, the craziness we see on, on Black Friday, and, and why is that? It's because we are not satisfied with what we have. And I want to talk about that this morning a little bit. I want to talk about how we break free from that being in slavery to our desires and uh, not being content. Um, you, you think this is something new in our world today, but it's not. If you go all the way back to the 3rd century, to the bishop of Carthage, Superion, he said this. He said, this is what he said about people and their stuff. He said, their property, property held them in chains. Chains which shackled their courage and choked their faith and hampered their judgment and throttled their souls. If they stored up their treasure in heaven, they would not now have an enemy and a thief within their own household. They think of themselves as owners whereas it is they, rather, who are owned. Enslaved as they are to their own property, they are not the masters of their money, but it's slaves. It's from the third century, guys. You think this is something new where we're enslaved to our stuff? You know, and, and that just brings us back to that age-old question, do you own your things or do they own you? Do you, do you own your things or do they own you? Money is one of those things that I don't think any of us like to talk about. We don't like to talk about materialism. We don't like to talk about greed. We don't like to talk about discontentment. And we sure don't want to hear it at church. But it's interesting that Jesus talks about it. And it's interesting that it's something that it comes up from uh, often in Scripture, whether he's teaching in parables, whether he's challenging people. Um, he's talking about how our things distract us from the higher purpose in our life. He talks about how our things keep us from worship. Um, Eugene mentioned last week the, the book, The Simple Life, and in it, the, the author pointed out the danger of overconsumption. And he talks about what it leads to. He says debt, which is a huge problem in our country, right? Debt is primarily caused by overconsumption. Overconsumption is caused by a desire to have something that is beyond our financial reach. We want something um, beyond our financial means because we think that somehow it's going to make us complete. This is how, this is how Hollywood markets to us, right? Um, uh, and, and so we buy that something, even if we don't have the money. We just pull out our little plastic savior and swear that we will pay it off by the end of the month before the interest kicks in. 
And then the balance builds. We are immersed in a culture that teaches consumption as a way of life. We think that our purchasing habits, our ways of entangling ourselves with debt are just normal. And Satan is great at molding our minds to fit his purposes. If he can just get us to justify the one purchase we can't afford, then he knows the next will come easier. The result is often frustration and stress that complicate our life and ultimately our relationship with God. And I'm just telling you, this whole idea of overconsumption, this is one of the huge roadblocks to a simple life. We think we need more and more and more. We're not satisfied with what we have. So that's a picture of our world today, that, that debt is normal. Uh, people don't save anymore. What, what does the Bible say? The Bible talks about how we use our wealth to leave, uh, to leave a legacy. Proverbs 13.22 says this. It says, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth will just pass to the godly. What is he talking about here? He's saying, right, when we are serious about living for God, then our money is not just used for ourselves. It's used for the sake of others. It's used to leave a legacy. It's used to honor God and bring glory to Him. It's not about how much we can consume and how much we can accumulate and, and how much we can, uh, we can you know, show everybody else, this is what I have, and, and brag about it, right? No, it, it's about the other people around us. It's about using what we make to do good for others. The reality, I, I think, is when, when it comes to our finances, I think most people are in a mess. I mean, statistically, that's what the numbers show us. The, the amount of debt in families is going up. Uh, and, and let's just face it, too, guys. I mean, find, you look at economically, all signs are pointing to this next year being a tough one. Uh, you know, if we go into a recession, and, and, and it's going to show where do people have their faith. Is it in their stuff? Is it in their bank accounts and their retirement accounts? Or is it, I'm going to trust God? I mean, th- things like that are going to show up as we go through this next year. Jesus talked about life in the kingdom of God. And when he talked about that, he talked about a life that wasn't worried, a life that wasn't anxious, a life that was focused on more important things, about loving God, about loving others, about seek God first, right? All this stuff he talks about, it, it's, so, it's so contrary to the world we live in today. And I think that's why Paul says stuff like in 1 Timothy 6, this famous verse that gets misquoted all the time, he's where he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And that's usually where people say, you know, well, money is evil, money is bad, and it's not. It's when we become consumed with the love of money. But I, I want you to keep going here. And some people, some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierce themselves with many sorrows. So when I think about the world today, this is what I think. So many people are living defeated, anxious, worried, stressed out lives because they have fallen into this trap of overconsumption. So let's talk about that. All right? Let, let's kind of let's figure out how we can get ourselves out of that mess that we find ourselves in. That brings me to my first point this morning. We all need a plan and a purpose for managing our money. 
And, and this goes beyond money. It goes to our stuff, our possessions, our things, it, it, our whole outlook on life, uh, what brings us satisfaction and contentment. But we need a plan and a purpose. I, I think one of the things I see is the problem is that we just go through life reacting, right, instead of preparing. And so we get a bill, we pay it, we see something we want, we buy it. We, we never really stop and ask ourselves the question, is this really part of God's plan for my life? Does this help me accomplish the purpose that He has put me on earth to fulfill? We, we don't ask her why, because uh, we, we don't think that way. We just react. We, we're just in the moment. We just go by our feelings, our wants, and our desires instead of really digging down deeper. And, uh, I mean, we could talk about budgets, but it goes beyond that. It really goes down to, do you have a plan for your life? Have you really spent time with God saying, God, why am I here? What have you created me to do? Am I doing what you want me to do? Where, you know, what is the next step you want me to take? And how do I get there? And how do I prepare for it? And how do I plan for it? Do we really think about that? Or do we just live day by day, moment by moment? I really think we need a plan. Let, let me give you an example about not having a plan. Over in Matthew 25, and Jesus gives a parable. It's one of those that at, at first read, it doesn't always, I think it confuses some people. Because it's like, well, this isn't fair. Uh, this doesn't seem like a, a fair deal here. But uh, I think when we dig into it, you see what Jesus is, is conveying here. He says in verse 14, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it all in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money. He, he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now, at first read, you're like, well, he, he was safe. He played it safe. But what it really comes down to is he didn't have a plan. He didn't really have a purpose. He was just like, he just went along with, with, with the safe thing to do. He just buried it. Imagine yourself as his third servant. You just watched one of those guys, right? He was able to, both, they were able to double what they received. Now, he could like wallow in self-pity that he didn't receive as much as they did. He could have like figured out, oh, this is what I can do, or this is how I can honor my master. But instead, he just like set it aside and didn't care. And I feel like that's the problem in our world today. We don't really think about the master when we manage our stuff. We just kind of go through life and just say, oh, whatever. And we don't really have a plan. We don't really have a purpose. Because when you have that plan, when you have that purpose, it changes everything about your life. Not just your money. It changes how you spend your time. It changes where you invest yourself. And that's what we see here. He didn't invest himself. And so the third servant, he approached his master. The master he told him, hey, I'm just scared. The reason I buried it, I was scared of what you would do. I, I'm, I'm scared of it. 
Uh, and, and so after the other two guys had doubled their money, he presented his one talent that now had been buried in the ground. And, and this is how the master replied in verse 26. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest in it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I said, I mean, it doesn't seem fair, it seems harsh, it seems judgmental. But what, what is God saying through this parable? He's telling us we need a plan. We need a purpose to, to how we live our life. If not, right, it just means he's going to, the, the people that really have a plan and a purpose, God is going to bless and God is going to use and God's going to, uh, since they've been faithful in little things, he's going to trust them to be faithful in bigger things. And so the question then is, are we being faithful stewards? And, and that's really the principle that we talk about. And you hear it at church, this whole idea of stewardship. Have you heard that word before? It's not like a word we use a lot outside of churches. That have you ever like heard it at work? Or I mean, we don't really use that that word a whole lot. Um, but uh, much like the servants in Jesus's story, a steward is one who takes care of another's household. And so, a steward he watches over all the affairs of the house. He he takes care of all the the decisions and details that need to be made. And, and so. Uh, he does that so the master doesn't have to worry about it. And the truth is we are stewards of the things that we have because they're not really ours. We don't own anything. D do you understand that, right? Everything we have is a gift from God. He's the owner of everything. So we've just been, been entrusted to care for what he has put in our possession. And now, just like that servant, do we just bury it in the ground? Do we just spend it on ourselves? Or do we invest it for the kingdom of God? That's the question. That's really the question. We should make financial decisions not because it will benefit us, but because it will benefit someone else. It's a complete shift of how we think. It's completely against uh, everything in our world because our world tells us you've worked hard. It's all about you. Go and live life. But God, throughout Scripture, I mean, what we see Jesus teaching us is it's not about us. It's not about us. It, it's about honoring God. It's about loving others. It's about taking care of those who are unfortunate and, and can't take care of themselves. He, 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 he gives us Throughout Scripture, this whole idea of living a life that is countercultural. And that brings me to my next point. It's not easy. A simple life, it's going to require making some tough choices. It, it really is. What, what we're talking about here is not easy because it's not, you, you don't see it that often. You, you really don't see it that often. In Mark chapter 10, there's another story that Jesus shares and 
Um, in verse 17 in Mark 10, it says, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and he asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Uh, Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, right, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. When when we read this story, you realize the man was like this close to following God. He was close. He was there, and he's like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Jesus looked at him and said, but there's one thing that's holding you back. There's one thing that's preventing you from following after me. And, and he knew, his, he's, he's like, the one thing that's doing, you, you've got to do something about it. it. It's going to require a tough choice. Are you going to lay it down so you can come and follow me? Lay down your stuff. Get rid of it. I've often wondered... What is that one little thing that keeps us from following God? What is it that he's asking us to lay down? What is it that, that, that prevents us from, what if, if we're this close to really living the life that God has laid out for us, what is it that's keeping us from doing it? What is it that's keep us, that keeps us from following after God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength? Living the simple life, it's not easy. It's hard. It's, it's hard. It, it's crazy hard, right? And, I, and I've said this before, but people are like, well, you put, should put your faith in Jesus. It's the easiest thing you'll ever do. Yes, but no. Because if you follow Jesus, we're talking about living a tough life. Living contrary to culture. It's not like, oh, I just put my faith into Jesus and go back to doing what I was doing before. No, we're talking about a whole new way of life. And so don't don't sell Jesus short. Don't don't say, well, oh, this is easy. It's not easy. And sometimes it's the good things that keep us from the best things. We've got to keep our focus. I want to challenge you to, to do something. Take time to plan and to prepare. Think about what you want to accomplish, with not just with your money. It's far bigger than that. Think about what you want to accomplish with your life. How can you honor God and honor others and serve others, right? Think about what you want to do with your life. You know what a budget is for your money. What are you doing for your life? How are you budgeting your time? How are you investing yourself for the sake of the kingdom of God? Again, I'm talking about a different way of living. Have you ever written out a purpose statement for your life? Have you ever, we do that for business, we do that for all sorts of things. We write out a mission statement or or purpose statement or your goals and objectives and you're, you're then evaluated against those things. Do we do that for our personal life? 
Um, one of the things that um, Jennifer and I have done for several years now is in January every year we kind of get away. We take off uh, for a few days and go somewhere, and we just plan out our year. We write out what we want to accomplish with our kids and uh, with church and with our personal lives, and we set some goals. We think about how this past year has gone. I, can I tell you how amazing that's been? Just to take time to, to pray and to think and to reevaluate re our, our lives a little bit. If we don't do that, I'm telling you, you, you'll find yourself a year later, two years later, five years later, and nothing has changed because you're so busy, you've never had time to really think about the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. It's got to take focus and discipline. Which leads me to, we're in a season here at Christmas time where it's hectic, it's chaotic. Uh, there's so many things trying to grab our attention. How can we keep our focus on what's important this Christmas? How, how do we do it? How do we keep our focus on what's important uh, this Christmas? Life will always get more complicated and disorganized. Um, some of y'all know um, that back, <laughs> it feels like so long ago, um, my degree fresh out of college was in mechanical engineering. So I, I was an engineer for about, how long, 12 years, I guess, before I started here at Cornerstone, and that's been over 15 years ago. So um, for 12 years, I was a mechanical engineer. One of the big things in engineering is a class that you take. You have to take two semesters of it. It's called thermodynamics. Sounds fun, doesn't it? All about heat and transfer and uh, thermodynamic systems and all this stuff. But you learn the second law of thermodynamics. And you can state it in terms of heat, but it's also stated in terms of entropy, which I know you didn't know you were coming to church for a science lesson, did you, this morning? Entropy is kind of the level of disorganization in a system. So uh, what the second law of thermodynamics tells us is that in a system, in a closed system, things always get more complicated. Things always get more disorganized. If you don't, if things are left to themselves, things will go into disorder and disarray. Uh, I'll give you an example. Your garden. If you, don't, if you plant stuff and you don't touch it, what happens to your garden? Weeds. It just gets, it gets terrible, right? Why? Because you haven't cultivated. You haven't put energy into it. And, and that's what happens in the world. Everything gets more disorganized and disarrayed, and you can't put stuff together after it's decomposed, right? That's the second law of thermodynamics. Well, I'm telling you, that's what happens in our life. If we don't put energy into it, everything is going to get more disorganized and disarrayed and decomposed. <laughs> That's what happens. Uh, it's, it's, it's the laws of science. It's the second law of thermodynamics. That's what happens if we don't stay focused, if we don't put energy into the system. And so how do we do that? Well, four things here that I want to challenge you to do this Christmas season. The first is to be grateful. First is simply to be grateful. Uh, Christmas is such a great opportunity to take a deep breath. Uh, just to be thankful for everything that you have in the middle of all the craziness. Can you just simply praise God for everything He has blessed you with? To be thankful, to be grateful. 
Um, Philippians 4, Paul, I mean, the whole book of Philippians is Paul writing from a prison cell telling us how to be content. And he says, not that I ever was in need, but I, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. This is, you want to know the key to, to battling overconsumption? It's contentment. It's realizing you don't need anything else. God is enough. God is enough. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I've shared before, this verse is not about winning your basketball or your football game. This verse is about learning to be content in poverty. This verse is about learning that God is enough. So be grateful. That's the first step. Here's the second step. You've got to stay focused on your purpose. You've got to stay focused. If you have a plan and a purpose, then you've got to keep things in perspective. As much as stuff you think will bring you happiness, um, that novelty is going to wear off really fast. And I told you, I've told you guys before, I'm a sucker. You got to be Jennifer has to like be careful if I'm watching TV and an infomercial comes on, right? Because they tell you all this stuff, and you're like, Jennifer, did you see that? Did you see what that will do? That's awesome. We need to buy that. She's like, No, we don't. Sometimes it's amazing how the voice of God sounds a lot like my wife. You know, it's it's like you know she she has that way of bringing me back to say, wait a minute, stay focused, stay focused on your your purpose. Uh, John Mark Comer is one of my favorite authors and pastors right now, and he um he said this. He talk, he writes about simplicity a lot. He said simplicity is limiting the number of our possessions expenses, activities, and social obligations to a level where we are free to live joyfully in the kingdom with Jesus. Isn't that good? We start limiting. We start cutting. Focus means we have to cut some stuff out. Focus means we need to simplify. And that's what we don't want to do. We want to do everything. We want to experience everything. Sometimes we got to take some stuff out. He, t- he even gives in his book, The Ruthless and Elimination of Hurry, he talks about 12 rules of simplicity. And these are good. I, I just thought I'd share them. Uh, if you want to read the book, he's got a lot more about it. He said, before you buy something, ask yourself, what is the true cost of this item? Before you buy, ask yourself, by buying this, am I oppressing the poor? Never impulse buy. When you do buy, opt for fewer but better things. Uh, when you can, share. Get in the habit of giving things away. Live by a budget. Learn to enjoy things without owning them. I thought that was so good. Learn to enjoy things without owning them. Cultivate a deep appreciation for creation. Cultivate a deep appreciation for the simple pleasures of life. Recognize advertising for what it is, propaganda. Call out the lie. Lead a cheerful, happy revolt against the spirit of materialism. This is so against the world we live in today. But this is how we stay focused. This is how we keep grateful for what we have. The third thing I would tell you, if we want to kind of keep our focus this Christmas, um, the third thing is to take time to worship. I don't think we do this enough in our everyday life. 
worship is more than just showing up at church on Sunday morning and singing a few songs. And I love our worship times here together, but we need more than that. Worship is an everyday activity where we take time to thank God for who He is, to honor Him for what He has done in our lives, just to praise Him for who He is. That's worship. And and I'll just tell you, if when you do that, it keeps us focused on what's important. If your kids see that you're constantly stressed throughout the holiday season and you're rushing around and you're trying to buy everything and you're upset, and what is that teaching them? They're, They're seeing Christmas as a season of stress and not as a time of worship for the King who has come, who has left heaven and come to earth on our behalf. That's what Christmas is about. It's not about all the stuff and all the the craziness. And then finally, the fourth thing is to give generously. If you want to keep your focus at Christmas and this time of year, it's and 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 hear me out on this, right? God doesn't need your money. It's not like God's up there, man. I don't know if I can accomplish all the stuff I want to do. I hope they give some of their stuff, but is that really no? God doesn't need anything from you. He desires, though, that you have a close relationship with Him. He doesn't want you to be enslaved to the created things instead of the Creator God. And so, the the truth is, God is so much greater than our money. But God created the concept of giving so that we could be part of His plan to change the world. We, we could be part of his plan to reach the nations for Christ. Um, and so when Paul talks about the early church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it out of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. There's something about giving. It's just us releasing our claim upon the possessions, the money we have, and saying, God, we're going to trust you. God, we're going to trust you. And so uh, we, we are created to give. We are meant to give. In the same letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes about the connection between the heart and one's offering. He says, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give, and, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, at Cornerstone, um, we're never going to guilt you. We're never going to shame you into giving. We don't even pass a plate during church. We've got our offering boxes by the door. And and our philosophy has always been we're going to trust God's people to support God's work. We, We want you to give willingly and freely and cheerfully. And so I know some churches really emphasize, you've got to tithe, you've got to tithe. And here's my problem with that. In the Old Testament, right, we have the law. And when Jesus looks back at the law, you can see it in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard it said, but here's what I tell you. What does he do? He takes the law and he expands it. He, he, he takes it and says, it's more than what just going by the letter of the law. It's far beyond that. You've heard it said that you should not murder. But I'm telling you, even if you hate someone, you're committing murder in your heart. So I would say that the 10% that's in the Old Testament, Jesus would say, you've heard it said you should give 10%. I'm paraphrasing here, so... Um, you've heard it said that you should give 10%. I say you just give generously. Wherever there's a need, you meet it. You see the difference. He takes it and expands it. And so that's why the focus in the New Testament is generosity. 
Uh, it's an even greater standard than the tithe. It's just to live a generous life. And so with that being said, we want to ha- give you opportunities that God can, that y- you can experience that in your life. One of the things we do every year, and it's one of my great pleasures to introduce, we do a Christmas cornerstone uh, offering every year, Christmas offering. Um, for those that you've attended here a while, you know that every year we make it our mission to honor the gift that God gave us, the birth of Jesus, to honor Him by giving a gift back to God. And so throughout the month of December, uh, we take up a Christmas offering. In the past, we've used this offering to support a lot of local ministries, uh, to help us purchase our building, to establish our Engage Fund, which we use for missions throughout the year. And get this, since 2011, we went back and added it up. We have collected over $215,000, $215,000 through our Christmas offering. That's used for the community, right? During the, the same time now, our normal missions offering has been over $330,000. You, you add those two numbers, way over half, it's over half a million dollars from this little church and the mountains of Virginia that we've used to, be, to bless the world around us. And so this year we've got three different focus areas, and I want to share those three areas with you that our, our Christmas offering is going to. The first uh, is Elisha's house. Um, we've uh, opened up, if you click, I think it'll come on up there. There we go. If um, We've opened a local warming shelter for the homeless. We've partnered with several other churches and organizations. And one of the, area, one of the things we've seen, uh, we've been blessed with a lot of financial support already, but one of the things that we need and we want to provide as a church and this sounds minor, but it's a big deal, uh, is uh, we've actually served 11 different people so far in the, the homeless warming shelter. Um, and we open up on nights where it's below 30 degrees, um, and it's here in our Center 242 off our back parking lot. Um, and so one of the things we've, we're, we're having to do already, we've seen, we, don't ha- we have a real tiny washer and dryer in Center 242 that was donated to us when we opened the building. That don't cut it for doing sheets and towels and blankets and everything. And so we're having to go to the laundromat. We want to just provide a nice, uh, high-quality, high-capacity washer and dryer to put in the center. So that's the first thing that's coming out of the Christmas offering this year is to get a washer and dryer for the center. That's really the only need we have right now. So here's the second thing we want to do. Our second focus is the Freedom Firm. Um, some of y'all have heard of the Freedom Firm, some of you have not. Back in 2017, we sent a mission team to India uh, to work with the Freedom Firm. They're a group that rescues girls out of sex trafficking in India. Um, and so the mission of Freedom Firm is to end child sex trafficking in India through rescue, restoration, and justice. And so we've sent a mission team there. We've worked with them. Not only that, uh, our very own Leah and Evan Hink, that, they go to church here at Cornerstone. They lived in India and worked with the Freedom Firm. So we have a, a personal connection. Leah is now the, the U.S. president for the Freedom Firm. And so we'll be sharing a little more about this. But here's what we want to do. We want to take at least $6,000 um, because that's the amount that they've estimated it takes to rescue one girl from sex trafficking in India, and we want to send to them uh, to make a difference in India. So the next $6,000, we want to send to them. If we raise more, we'll, we may be able to send more, 
uh, but that's, that's part of it. And so you'll hear more about that. We'll be sharing. I'm excited about this, though. Uh, we want to partner more with them in India. And then the third area, focus area, is our Engage Fund. We need to put some money back in it because we have been using this. Uh, I think we've spent over $10,000 this year out of the Engage Fund uh, ministering in our own community. And what is the Engage Fund? Uh, we budget uh, over 10% of our budget each year goes to local ministries and mission opportunities um, here in our community. But then we always have things that pop up throughout the year. We have things like, hey, can you help us with this? That's what the Engage Fund is for, those unexpected things. So in 2022, we used our Engage Fund for community block parties that we did. We used it for funding to start Elisha's house. We used it, uh, to, we helped other churches provide a new mobile home for a local widow. Uh, we used it for ministry needs in the Ukraine. Uh, we used it for additional help with Thanksgiving food boxes in our community. We used it... Um, about midway through the year, we ran out of our benevolence budget. This year, we've seen more benevolence needs in our community than we have ever seen. And so what did we do? Instead of telling people, no, we can't help you, we started tapping into the Engage Fund to, to continue to meet the needs that we saw that were really there. Uh, we used it for Christmas food packages in Nicaragua with Because We Care Ministries. We supported local short-term missionaries. That's just a small, and a whole lot more than that. That's what the Engage Fund does. And so every time we have a need, we don't come back to you guys and say, hey, guys, we need a special offering. We need to do this. We, need... we don't beg you for money. We just say God has blessed us. We're prepared for it. We're going to meet those needs. So here's how the Christmas offering works. Is, um, you, ha you can give online through the Church Center app or through our website at mycornerstone.org. Um, you can go there, and it has all the instructions. Uh, you'll find in the scattered throughout the sanctuary, there are envelopes on the seat that say Christmas offering. Uh, if you put something in that and drop it in the offering plate, it will go directly to the Christmas offering. This is not your normal weekly giving. This is completely separate. We want to challenge you to go above and beyond what you normally do um, and give to it. Last year, I think we raised over $16,000 through our Christmas offering. I want to see us raise even more, right? Uh, because God is going to... Uh, God is going to bless us. I, I just can't, I can't wait to see what, he, what he's going to do through this offering. Um, I'm excited about it. Are you guys excited about that? It's awesome. Um, and so uh, I'll just share a little bit of a giving update. It looks like we're on target to meet our budget for the year, but we still have to, like, we, we need to finish December strong to meet our budget this year. But we're on pace to do that. So I'm thankful for that. But uh, God has been faithful to this church. Even through COVID, we saw our giving go up. That's amazing. Um, and so uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do. And so today, here's how I want to close. I want to just simply ask you, what is keeping you from living the simple life? What's keeping you from living the simple life? And how can you get your focus back on Jesus? Matthew 6 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And then it also says in Matthew 6, 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Do you believe that this morning, church? Um, I'm going to challenge us a little bit. This, you, you'll hear updates on social media throughout the week and you'll see... Uh, you, you'll be hearing about this each week. We start our Christmas series. Next week, we'll be talking about Jesus as the King. 
and how the, the gift of the wise men, the, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, uh, really showed the, the kingship of Jesus. So I'm excited about that too. So start inviting people to join us these next few weeks. It's amazing how open people are to hearing about Jesus through the Christmas season. So with that, I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. I'm going to pray, and we're going to close out this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for you. We're, we're thankful for what you've done in our life. We're thankful for this church. And Lord, um, we're excited about what you are doing through the, the obedience of the people here at Cornerstone. Uh, Lord, I pray for the people in this room. In this time of year, so many people are frazzled and, and, and anxious and worried and wondering about money and stressed about buying presents and, and worried about all the, the material things of this world. But Lord, help us to seek first the kingdom of God. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to not worry, not to be anxious, but to take time to worship. And Lord, I pray for everyone listening, whether it's online today on Facebook or YouTube or our website or the people who are at home who are sick and couldn't be here today. I pray that everybody would be able to, to know that invitation you give in Matthew 11 to come to me, all you who are weary and, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest that that's your invitation to us. And that's your invitation to us as well for our souls. That we would be able to come to you. So if you are here today and, and as we prayed this morning. If you are here and, and you really don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. This is your invitation to lay everything down and follow after Jesus. Don't be like the rich young ruler who was afraid to lay down his stuff in order to follow Jesus. Help us to lay down whatever it is that prevents us from truly making you the Lord of our life. And today, Lord, we will honor you and we will worship you for who you are and for what you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.